I was now for the time out of doubt as to that about which I was so much in doubt before my fears before were that my sin was not pardonable and so that I had no right to pray to repent etc or that if I did it would be of no advantage or profit to me but now thought I if this sin is not unto death then it is pardonable therefore from this I have encouragement to come to God by Christ for mercy to consider the promise of forgiveness as that which stands with open arms to receive me as well as others this therefore was a great easement to my mind to wit that my sin was pardonable that it was not the sin unto death 1 John 5 16 and 17 none but those that know what my trouble was by their own experience can tell what relief came to my soul by this consideration it was a release to me from my former bonds and a shelter from my former storms I seemed now to stand upon the same ground with other sinners and to have as good right to the word and prayer as any of them now I say I was in hopes of my sin was not unpardonable but that there might be hope for me to obtain forgiveness but oh how Satan did now lay about him for to bring me down again but he could by no means do it neither this day nor the most part of, of the next for that sentence this sin is not unto death stood like a mill post at my back yet towards the evening of the next day I felt this word begin to leave me and to withdraw its support from me and so I returned to my old fears again but with a great deal of grudging and peevishness for I feared the sorrow of despair nor could my faith long retain this word but the next day at evening being under many fears I went to seek the Lord and as I prayed I cried and my soul cried to him in these words with strong cries O Lord I beseech thee show me that thou hast loved me with an everlasting love I had no sooner said it than with sweetness this returned upon me as an echo or sounding again I have loved thee with an everlasting love Jeremiah 31 3 now I went to bed in quiet also when awakened the next morning it was fresh upon my soul and I believed it but yet the tempter left me not for it could not be so little as a hundred times that he that day did labor to break my peace oh the combats and conflicts that I did meet then with as I strove to hold by this word that of Esau would fly my face like lightning 
I would be sometimes up and down twenty times in an hour. Yet God did bear me out and keep my heart upon this word, from which I had also for several days together very much sweetness and comfortable hopes and pardon. For thus it was made unto me, I love thee while thou wast committing this sin. I love thee before, I love thee still, and I will love thee forever. Yet I saw my sin most barbarous and a filthy crime, and could not but conclude with great shame and astonishment that I had horribly abused the Holy Son of God. Wherefore I felt my soul greatly to love and pity him, and my bowels to yearn towards him, for I saw he was still my friend, and did reward me good for evil. Yea, the love and affection that then did burn within me to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did work at this time such a strong and hot desire of revenge upon myself, for the abuse I had done unto him, that to speak as I then thought, had I a thousand gallons of blood within my veins, I could freely then have spilled it all at the command and feet of this my Lord and Savior. And as I was thus musing, and in my studies considering how to love the Lord, and to express my love to him. That saying came in upon me, If thou, Lord, should markest my inequities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Psalms 130, verses 3 and 4. These were good words to me, especially the latter part thereof, to wit, that there is forgiveness with the Lord, that he might be feared, that is, as I then understood it, that he might be loved and had in reverence. For it was thus made out to me that the great God did set so high an esteem upon the love of his poor creatures that rather than he would go without their love, he would pardon their transgressions. And now was that word fulfilled on me, and I was also refreshed by it. Then shalt thou remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame. When I am pacified towards thee for all that thou hast done, said the Lord God. Ezekiel 16, verse 63. Thus was my soul at this time, and as I then did think, forever set at liberty from being afflicted with my former guilt and amazement. But before many weeks were gone, I began to despond again, fearing less notwithstanding all I had enjoyed, I might be deserted and destroyed at the last. For this consideration came strong into my mind,
that whatever comfort and peace I thought I might have from the word of the promise of life, yet unless there could be found in my refreshment a concurrence and agreement with the scriptures, let me think what I will thereof, and hold it never so fast. I should find no such thing at the end, for the scripture cannot be broken. John 10.35 Now began my heart again to ache in fear I might meet with disappointment at last. Wherefore I began with all seriousness to examine my former comfort and to consider whether one that had sinned as I had might with confidence trust upon the faithfulness of God laid down in these words by which I had been comforted and on which I had leaned myself. But now we're brought to my mind. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. For if we willfully sin after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Even as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Hebrews 6, 4-6 through 6. Chapter 10, verse 27. Chapter 12, verse 17. Now was the word of the gospel forced from my soul, so that no promise or encouragement was to be found in the Bible for me. And now would that saying work upon my spirit to afflict me. Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people. Hosea 9.1 for I saw indeed there was cause of rejoicing for those that held to Jesus. But for me, I had cut myself off by my transgression and left myself neither foothold nor handhold among all the stays and props in the precious word of life. And truly I did now feel myself to sink into a gulf as a house whose foundation is destroyed I did then liken myself in this condition unto the case of a child that was fallen into a mill pit who, though it could make some shift to scramble and sprawl in the water, yet, because it could find hold neither for hand nor foot, therefore at last it must die in that condition. So soon as this fresh assault had fastened on my soul, that scripture came into my heart. This for many days. And indeed I found it was so, for I could not be delivered nor brought to peace again until well nigh two years and a half were completely finished. 
Wherefore these words, though in themselves they tended to no discouragement, yet to me, who feared this condition would be eternal, they were at some times as a help and a refreshment to me. For thought I, many days are not forever. Many days will have an end. Therefore, seeing I was to be afflicted not a few but many days, yet I was glad it was but for many days. Thus I say, I would recall myself sometimes and give myself a help. For as soon as ever the word came into my mind, at first I knew my trouble would be long, yet this would be but sometimes. For I could not always think on this, nor even be helped by it, though I did. Now while the scriptures lay before me, and laid sin anew at my door, that saying in Luke 18.1 with others, did encourage me to prayer. Then the tempter again laid at me very sore, suggesting that neither the mercy of God nor yet the blood of Christ did it all concern me, nor could they help me for my sin. Therefore it was but in vain to pray. Yet thought I, I will pray, but said the tempter, your sin is unpardonable. Well, said I, I will pray. It is to no boot, said he, yet said I, I will pray. So I went to prayer to God, and while I was at prayer, I uttered words to this effect, Lord, Satan tells me that neither thy mercy nor Christ's blood is sufficient to save my soul. Lord, shall I honor thee most by believing thou wilt and canst, or him? By believing thou neither wilt nor canst. Lord, I would vain honor thee by believing thou wilt and canst. And as I was thus before the Lord, that scripture fastened on my heart. O man, great is thy faith, even as if one had clapped me on the back as I was on my knees before God. Yet I was not able to believe this, that this was a prayer of faith, till almost six months after for I could not think that I had faith or that there should be a word for me to act faith on. Therefore I would still be as stinking in the jaws of desperation and went mourning up and down in a sad condition. There was nothing now that I longed for more than to be put out of doubt as to the thing in question. And as I was vehemently desiring to know if there was indeed hope for me, that these words came rolling into my mind. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? 
Psalm 77, verses 7 through 9. And all the while they ran in my mind, methought I still had this as the answer. It is a question whether he hath or no. It may be he hath not. Yea, the interrogatory seemed to me to carry in it a sure affirmation that indeed he had not, nor would so cast off, but would be favorable, that his promise doth not fail, and that he hath not forgotten to be gracious, nor would in anger shut up his tender mercies. Sometimes also there was upon my heart at the same time, which I cannot now call to mind, with which this text did sweeten my heart and make me conclude that his mercy might not be quite gone nor gone forever. At another time I remember I was again much under this question whether the blood of Christ was sufficient to save my soul in which doubt I continued from morning till about seven or eight at night and at last when I was as it were quite worn out with fear lest it should not lay hold on me that these words did sound suddenly within my heart he is able but methought this word able was spoken loud unto me it showed me a great word it seemed to be writ in great letters and gave such a jostle to my fear and doubt I mean for the time he tarried with me it was about a day as I never had from that all my life either before or after Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 but one morning as I was again at prayer and trembled under the fear of this that no word of God could help me that piece of a sentence darted in upon me my grace is sufficient at this methought I felt some stay as if there might be hope but oh how good a thing it is for God to send his word for about a fortnight before I was looking at this very place and then I thought it could not come near my soul with comfort therefore I threw down my book in a pet then I thought it was not large enough for me no not large enough but now it was as if it had arms of grace so wide that it could not only enclose me but many more besides by these words I was sustained yet not without exceeding conflicts for the space of seven or eight weeks for my peace would be in it and out sometimes twenty times a day comfort now and trouble presently peace now and before I could go a furlong as full of fear and guilt as ever heart could hold and this was not only now and then but my whole seven weeks experience for this about the sufficiency of grace and that of Esau's parting with his birthright would be like a pair of scales within my mind 
Sometimes one end would be uppermost and sometimes again the other. According to which would be my peace or trouble. Therefore I did still pray to God that he would come in with the scripture more fully on my heart to wit. That he would help me to apply the whole sentence. For as yet I could not. What he gave me that I gathered. But further I could not go. For as yet it only helped me to hope there might be mercy for me. My grace is sufficient. And though it came no further. It answered my former question to wit that there was hope yet. Because for thee was left out, I was not contented. But prayed to God for that also. Wherefore one day when I was in a meeting of God's people, full of sadness and terror, for my fears again were strong upon me, and as I was now thinking my soul was never the better, but my case was most sad and fearful, these words did with great power suddenly break in upon me. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. Three times together. And only thought that every word was a mighty word unto me as my and grace and sufficient and for thee. They were then, and sometimes are still, far bigger than others be. At which time my understanding was so enlightened that I was as though I had seen the Lord Jesus look down from heaven through the tiles upon me, and direct these words unto me. This sent me mourning home. It broke my heart and filled me full of joy, and laid me low as the dust, only it stayed not long with me. I mean in this glory and refreshing comfort. Yet it continued with me for several weeks and did encourage me to hope. But as soon as that powerful operation of it was taken from my heart, that other about Esau returned upon me as before. So my soul did hang as in a pair of scales again, sometimes up and sometimes down, now in peace, and anon again in terror. Thus I went on for many weeks, sometimes comforted and sometimes tormented. And especially sometimes my torment would be very sore. For all those scriptures aforenamed in the Hebrews would be set before me as the only sentences that would keep me out of heaven. Then again I would begin to repent that ever that thought went through me. I would also think thus with myself, Why? How many scriptures are there against me? There are but three or four, and God can not miss them and save me for all of them. Sometime again I would think, Oh, if it were not for these three or four words now, how might I be comforted? And I could hardly forbear it sometimes to wish them out of the book. Then methought I would see as if Peter and Paul and John and all the 
other holy writers did look with scorn upon me and hold me in derision as if they had said unto me all our words are truth one of as much force as the other it is not we that have cut you off but it is you that has cast away yourself there is none of our sentences that you must take hold upon but these and such as these it is impossible there remains no more sacrifice for sin and it had been better for them not to have known the will of God than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them for the scripture cannot be broken Hebrews 6 4 10 26 2 Peter 2 21 John 10 35 these as the elders of the city of refuge I saw were to be the judges both of my case and me while I stood with the avenger of blood at my heels trembling at their gates for deliverance also with a thousand fears and mistrust I feared that they would shut me out forever Joshua 23 and 4 thus I was confounded not knowing what to do or how to be satisfied in this question whether the scriptures could agree in the salvation of my soul I quaked at the apostles I knew their words were true and that they must stand forever and I remember one day as I was in divers frames of spirit and considering that these frames were according to the nature of several scriptures that came in upon my mind if this of grace and I was quiet but if that of Esau then tormented Lord thought I if both these scriptures should meet in my heart at once I wonder which of them would get the better of me so methought I had a longing mind that they might both come together in upon me yea I desired of God they might well about two or three days after so they indeed did they bolted upon me at a time and did work and struggle strongly in me for a while at last that about Esau's birthright began to wax weak and withdraw and vanish and this about the sufficiency of grace prevailed with peace and joy and as I was in a muse about this thing that scripture came in upon me mercy rejoices against judgment James 2.13 this was a wonder to me yet truly I am apt to think it was of God for the word of the law and wrath must give place to the word of life in grace because though the word of condemnation be glorious yet the word of life and salvation doth far exceed in glory 2 Corinthians 3 8 through 11 also that Moses and Elias must both vanish and leave Christ and his saints alone the scripture did most sweetly visit my soul 
And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 6.37 Oh, the comfort that I found from this word, in no wise. As if he had said, by no means for nothing whatever he hath done. But Satan would greatly labor to pull this promise from me by telling me that Christ did not mean me and such as I, but sinners of a lower rank that had not done as I had done. But I would answer him again, Satan, here is in these words no such exception, but him that cometh, him, any him, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And this I will remember still, that of all the slights that Satan used to take the scripture from me, yet he never did so much as put this question. But do you come aright? And I have thought the reason was because he thought I knew full well what coming aright was. For I saw that to come aright was to come as I was a vile and ungodly sinner, and so cast myself at the feet of mercy, condemning myself for sin. If ever Satan and I did strive for any word of God in all my life, it was for this good word of Christ, he at one end and I at the other. Oh, what word, work we made. It was for this in John, I say, that we did so tug and strive. He pulled, and I pulled. But God be praised, I overcame him. I got sweetness from it. But notwithstanding all these helps and blessed words of grace, yet that of Esau selling his birthright would still at times distress my conscience. For though I had been most sweetly comforted, and that but just before, Yet when that came into my mind, it would make me fear again. I could not be quite rid of it. It would every day be with me. Wherefore now I went another way to work, even to consider the nature of this blasphemous thought. I mean, if I should take that the words at the largest and give them their own natural force and scope, even every word therein, so when I had thus considered, I found that if they were fairly taken, they would amount to this, that I had freely left the Lord Jesus Christ to his choice, whether he would be my Savior or no. For the wicked words were these, let him go if he will. Then that scripture gave me hope, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, Hebrews 13.5 O oh Lord, said I, but I have left thee. Then it answered again, But I will not leave thee. For this I thank God also, yet I was grievously afraid he would, and found it exceeding hard to trust him, seeing I had so offended him. I should have been exceeding glad that this thought had never entered my mind. For then I thought I could with more ease and freedom in abundance have leaned on his grace. I saw it was with me as it was with Joseph's brethren. The guilt of their own wickedness had often filled them with fear. 
that their brother would at least despise them. Genesis 45, 15, 6. Yet above all the scriptures that I yet did meet with, that in Joshua chapter 20 was the greatest comfort to me, which speaks of the slayer that was to flee for refuge. And if the avenger of blood pursue the slayer, then they that are elders of the city of refuge shall not deliver him into his hands, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and hated him not aforetime. Joshua 25 Oh, blessed be God for this word, and I was convinced that I was the slayer, and that the avenger of blood pursued me, I felt with great terror. It only now remained that I inquired whether I have right to enter the city of refuge. So I found that he must not who lay in wait to shed blood. It was not that the willful murderer, but he who unwittingly did it, he who did it unawares, not out of spite or grudge or malice, he that shed it unwittingly, even he who did not hate his neighbor before. Wherefore I thought, verily, I was the man that must enter because I had smitten my neighbor unwittingly and hated him not aforetime. I hated him not aforetime. No, I prayed unto him. I was tender of sinning against him, yea, and against this wicked temptation I had strove for twelve months before. Yea, and also when it did pass through my heart, it did in spite of my teeth. Wherefore I thought I had a right to enter the city, and the elders which are the apostles were not to deliver me up. This therefore was great comfort to me and gave me much ground of hope. Yet being very critical for my smart had made me so that I knew not what ground was sure enough to bear me. I had one question that my soul did much desire to be resolved about, and that was, whether it be possible for any soul that has sinned the unpardonable sin, yet after that to receive, though but the least true spiritual comfort from God through Christ. The which, after I had much considered, I found the answer was, no, they could not. And that for these reasons. First, because those that have sinned, that sin are debarred, a share in the blood of Christ. And being shut out of that, they must needs be void of the least ground of hope, and so a spiritual comfort, for to such there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Secondly, because they are denied a share in the promise of life, they shall never be forgiven, neither in this world nor in that which is to come. Thirdly, the Son of God excludes them also from a share in his blessed intercession, being forever ashamed to own them, both before his Holy Father and the blessed angels in heaven. Hebrews 10:26, Matthew 12:32, Mark 8:38. When I had with much deliberation considered of this matter, and could not but conclude that the Lord had comforted me, and that too after this my wicked sin, 
Methought I durst venture to come nigh unto those most fierce, fearful and terrible scriptures with which all this while I had been so greatly affrighted and on which indeed before I durst scare cast mine eye yea had much ado a hundred times to forbear wishing them out of the Bible for I thought they would destroy me but now I say I began to take some measure of encouragement to come close to them, to read them, and consider them, and to weigh their scope and tendency. The which, when I began to do, I found their visage changed. For they looked not so grimly as before I thought they did. And first I came to the sixth of Hebrews, yet trembling for fear it should strike me which when I had considered I found that the falling there intended was a falling quite away that is as I conceived a falling from an absolutely denying of the gospel of the remission of sins by Jesus Christ for from them the apostle begins his argument Hebrews 6 4 through 6 secondly I found that this falling away must be openly even in the view of the world, even so as to put Christ to an open shame. Thirdly, I found that those he there intended were ever shut up of God in blindness, hardness, and impenitency. It is impossible they should be renewed again unto repentance. By all these particulars I found to God's everlasting praise my sin was not the sin in this place intended. First I confessed I was fallen but not fallen away. That is from the profession of faith in Jesus unto eternal life. Secondly I confessed that I had put Jesus Christ to shame by my sin but not to open shame. I did not deny him before men, nor condemn him as a fruitless one before the world. Thirdly, neither did I find that God had shut me up or denied me to come, though I found it hard work indeed to come to him by sorrow and repentance. Blessed be God for unsearchable grace. Then I considered the words in the tenth chapter of the Hebrews, and I found, one, that the willful sin there mentioned is not every willful sin, but that which death throw off Christ and then his commandments too. Number two, that it must be done also openly before two or three witnesses to answer that of the law Hebrews 10 28 number 3 this sin cannot be committed but with great despite done to the spirit of grace despising both the dissuasions from that sin and the persuasions to the contrary the Lord knows though this my sin was devilish yet it did not amount to these. And as touching that in the twelfth chapter of Hebrews, 
about Esau selling his birthright. Though this was that which killed me and stood like a spear against me, yet now I did consider. One, that his was not a hasty thought against the continual labor of his mind, but a thought consented to and put into practice likewise, and that after some deliberation. Genesis 25, verse 34. Number two, it was a public and open action even before his brother, if not before many more. This made his sin of a far more heinous nature than otherwise it would have been. Number three, he continued to slight his birthright. He did eat and drink and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Yea, twenty years after he was found to despise it still. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. Genesis 33, 9. Now as touching this, that Esau sought a place of repentance. Thus I thought, one, this was not for the birthright, but the blessing. This is clear from the apostle and distinguished by Esau himself. He hath taken away my birthright, that is, formerly, and now he hath taken away my blessing also. Genesis twenty seven thirty six number two Now this being thus considered I came again to the apostle to see what might be the mind of God in a New Testament style and sense concerning Esau's sins. And so far as I could conceive this was the mind of God that the birthright signified regeneration and the blessing the eternal inheritance. For so the apostle seemed to hint, lest there be any profane persons as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, as if he should say, that shall cast off all those blessed beginnings of God that are present, are upon him in order to a new birth lest they become as Esau, even be rejected afterwards, when they should inherit the blessing. For many there are who in the day of grace and mercy despise those things which are indeed the birthright to heaven, who yet, when the deciding day appears, will cry as loud as Esau, Lord, Lord, open to us. But then, as Isaac would not repent, no more will God the Father, but will say, I have blessed these, yea, and they shall be blessed. But as for you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Luke thirteen twenty-five through 27 When I had thus considered these scriptures, and found that thus to understand them was not against but according to other scriptures. This still added further to my encouragement and comfort, and also gave me a great blow to that objection, to wit, that the scriptures could not agree in the salvation of my soul, and now remained only the hinder part of the tempest, 
for the thunder was gone beyond me. Only some drops did still remain that now and then would fall upon me. But because my former frights and anguish were very sore and deep, therefore it oft befell me still, as it befalleth those that have been scared with fire. I thought every voice was fire, fire. Every little touch would hurt my tender conscience. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.